You, you quote one author in this book that the primary attraction of Marxian socialism was not economic but moral. And I believe it was Jaffa who said that, that essentially the best and the brightest are always going to be attracted to socialism because it kind of feeds their soul. There's, in other words, it's a materialist, it's a materialist worldview Yet their belief in it stems from something that's deeper. Their their essentially sophist view of morality. Uh, given that that's the case, and as you've discussed, that we've now had multiple generations of progressivism dominating on college campuses, and we went from leftist liberalism to leftist illiberalism. Now, how do we supplant this sort of false morality and relativism and scientism, positivism, historicism? with a belief in freedom in the American system once again, because essentially that is the real war for America. Either those ideas triumph or they fail, and we're a fundamentally different country. Yeah, well, it's a difficult problem. Uh, I'll take the simplest part of it. You know, the defense of free markets, if you just want to look at economics for a minute, for a very long time was really on their superior efficiency. You know, it creates more wealth. And, and that never got to the moral dissatisfaction of people who dislike suffering and inequality, right? And it really, I think we didn't really see the advance or uh, uh, in favor of free markets until you started having people like uh, Michael Novak, who passed away recently, to pick one name, started making a moral defense of markets. And that's all very, very good and necessary, and we need more of it. But I, I think you need to go beyond that. I don't think, um, uh, as you know, Jaffa and Burns and others argued, I don't think you really reach the souls of individuals until you uh, get, uh, convey a broader appreciation of what I call the metaphysical basis of human freedom, right? It's more than just economics. It's what does it mean to be a free soul? Uh, what does it mean to be a free society? And what I find with students, and I have a lot of liberal students at Berkeley who are very bright but very confused, you know, they think that free speech is a human right, but so is free healthcare is a basic human right. And, you know, you have to sort through those confusions, and it takes a while, and there's a lot of resistance, because, by the way, who's against healthcare for everybody? I mean, nobody in a, an ordinary sense. Um, but, uh, but if you just talk about who's going to pay for it, that's not very persuasive. If you start, you have to draw into the argument in, in great levels of detail about uh, you know, the distinction between natural rights and positive rights, uh, the problems that come about when you have an unlimited view of what government must do or should view, should do. And, you know, uh, it, it, you have to patiently work through those things to get students to think about it. Uh, and I don't ask the liberal students to give up their goal of having universal health care. Um, but I do try and shake their view that it's simply a, a simple matter of declaring a right and then writing checks. Yeah. And then and maybe another part of it is they would assert that there's no such thing as a better morality or a worse morality, but they are asserting that their view of morality is the right one, and there's a contradiction there. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is uh, I always thought, uh, and I think I say in the book, that I always thought Alan Bloom overdid his uh, depiction of moral relativism among college students. Uh, uh, what I think is that uh, there are actually very few pure, 100% moral relativists among college students. They actually have a very strong sense of justice, but it's very incoherent. And it's very, of course, uh, conforms to modern cliches. But, you know, you ask them about uh, genocide in Darfur, they're very worked up about the injustice of that. Uh, you know, the, the more left you get, there's the injustice of patriarchy and sexism and so forth. And so I find you can work with all that. And what you, it, it's actually not hard to point out to students that they don't really have a consistent view of justice. It's not grounded on anything. 
Uh, and, and you can make them think about this a little bit and you can make some headway with that, I think. Uh, and uh, you know, one of my examples these days is, uh, and I have fun with this in classes, and I have a large class of 175 students this semester. And it turns out they know nothing of serious moral philosophy. But most of them know about what's very popular in higher education these days, and it's the trolley car experiment. Um, many listeners may know this. It's the thought experiment that Michael Sandel at Harvard is especially good at. There's a trolley, runaway trolley running down the track. It's going to run over five people. But if you flip the switch, it'll get on a sidetrack and run over one person. What do you do? And people, students love this experiment. And it's really stupid, actually. It's just very narrow utilitarianism. Uh, and, you know, there's uh, no awareness of Aristotle's ethics, for example, to pick one book. Uh, and so you really, these days, we need to start over again with basic moral reasoning. Uh, and it's amazing how little that is done anymore. 